All right. The incredibly interesting aspects of Sefer Bereshis, that especially how it ends. You might remember I gave a shear about a number of weeks and months ago before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, how the end of Sefer Bereshis is really heralds the first event of people doing tshuva, of change. And specifically uh, Yehuda and Yosef and it's definitely something that, that, that one has to see as not only an end of a story, but really telling us about human behavior. Um, and in the midst of all that humanity um, and, and, and emotion, and, and Yosef speaking to his brothers, which happens in last week's parsha, the end of this week's parsha on page 288, um, and the stone Chumash, we have, you know, Yaakov really uh, stands as a um, as a dying prophetic figure, as someone who's really already has one hand beyond, right? In other words, at the, on page 288, we have a very, at the end of Sefer Bereshis, you have, of course, um, please forgive us on the top of 288, and once again, um, Yosef saying in Pasuk Yutes, Al tiro'u ki atachas Elohim oni, atem chashavtam lairo'u, alim chashavah v'tova. And that, of course, was in many ways the theme of of, of the last couple of parshios, what we think and what God thinks. We talked about it before Hanukkah. You might remember the idea of thinking that we're in control and that our thoughts and emotions and feelings is where we're at. So I just want to contrast that to Yaakov's stance here, because Yaakov, in, in this parsha, really comes across as as a prophetic-like figure, a figure, like I said, who is one foot beyond. He is actually telling Yosef what the children are going to be, what Menashe and Ephraim will be, on page 272. Yadati bini yadati ki gam Right? This isn't just the hope of a grandfather. This is really the the decision of a grandfather. The grandfather is actually saying, "I know." In other words, he's the man who's he has second sight, third sight, twentieth sight about what's going to be with Menashe, what a is going to be. And then he, and then of course, um, uh, starting on page two seventy four, we have Yaakov's beautiful, in other words, Yaakov becomes a poet, right? Yaakov speaks and you can tell this is a person who's who's at the cusp of, of, of his life, and, and all of a sudden it's Shakespeare, right? All of a sudden it's he's talking about, we, we don't have any type of language like this coming from the Avos up until now, right? Yaakov, look at the way he's speaking, just take a look at what he says, look up on page 2.8, just pick any Pasek. Naftali Ayala Shucha is a hind let loose who delivers beautiful sayings, Right? Right? These are all metaphors about what a person is about, what their tribe is about, um, uh, right? Uh, Two seventy-eight. Yisoschar, uh, right? Chamar Goram. He's a strong-boned donkey. He, he rests between boundaries. And what does that even mean, right? All, all these things are these cryptic, multifaceted phrases that, again, we're not used to that. Yaakov says, right? Remember how we spoke to Rochel? <laughs> we think I'm God, right? 
he tells he tells Yosef, what type of dream is this, right? Yaakov up and even even when he speaks to 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 Paro and Parshas Vayigash, what is it that, that, that Yaakov says, right? <laughs> Yaakov says what he says to Paro, and Paro asks him how old he is, right? What does what does he say, right? Says almost some of the most human things that any person can say, right? What, right? Uh, page two sixty four. Paro asks Yaakov, "Kama yemei shnei chayecha?" Right? How old are you? And he says, "Yemei shnei megurai shloshimas shana maat teroyimoyu." Right? I'm hundred and thirty, but boy, they've been few and bad. Boy, has this been a, a difficult time in my life? This has been really bad and sad. And now, of course, as he comes and approaches death, Patrick. Okay, so I'm going to ask one of the boys over here to come in and help. Hang on a second, please. This is quite unusual, quite unusual. I have to tell you, when I was in uh, fourth grade, I think it was, third or fourth grade, this was, uh, they made a um, a challenge for my school in Memphis that the kids needed to memorize things. And this was what I memorized, I memorized the Berkhus of Yaakov. I, I, I can tell you, I probably had no idea what words I was saying, but I had to stand up and 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 recite from uh, 274 all the way to. You know it's it, I guess so, <laughs> but I re- but I remember it's like I, it stuck with me that this is something important, right? This is something important, right? You, you, who who can do Shmon Esrei? Who can do Alamichia? Who can do the Brachos? Of Yaakov, that was part of what we had to do in school was to memorize, uh, to, to, to be able to memorize these words, which are so difficult. They are special. And Yaakov, uh, and I actually want to shift away from it for a second. But beforehand, what does Yaakov do? Of course, before he's in this mode, he's actually dealing with Yosef and 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 Ephraim and Menashe. And of course, what does he do? If you take a look on. Um, Yaakov on page two seventy two, um, actually, Yaakov takes Menashe and Ephraim close to him, and if you take a look on page uh, two seventy two, Pasuk Yudalid, and he puts his hand, places it on the head of Ephraim, and he puts his left hand on the head of Menashe. Of course, Yaakov wants him to change. But if we take a look, and Yaakov explains why he doesn't change. But then he says, on the bottom of page 272, he says, In other words, Yosef, you're going to be the way 
Yisroel, that's his future generations, will give brochos. Yisim cholohim kafrayim And what they're going to say is, may God make you like Ephraim and like Menashe. Now, it's almost, and, and that prophecy seems to have been fulfilled. Yosef, Yaakov did this, and this now became, he says, it's going to become standard. Now, I have to admit that when I grew up, my father, who was a European man, who went to European yeshivas, did not give me a Shabbos bracha every week. So let's go around the table. Um, Chabad does not give Shabbos brachas, right? Which is which is interesting, right? But if there is someone who married into a Chabad family and they had it from their father, they keep it. They do it like every young kid. Oh, so very good. Yeah. So this is actually, we're actually starting at the end. When I did a little research on this with from people from Europe and Chassidah Shemesh brachas, for some reason, the, the bracha was not said every Shabbos. Even when I spoke to my father about it, he said it was only an Arabian Kippur that his mother gave him brocha, and my father would go to get a brocha from. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a second. So my father. Oh, so this is really part of the issue. My father told me only that my father, I remember, would go to my grandmother, who was not his mother, to get a brocha on Arabian Kippur, and this was the only, and this was the the, the warmest and most incredible moment of the year between them. They were both very, they did not speak a lot. I know there's many people who have exhausted their amount of words that they were allowed to say. Uh, we always say you don't even live in amount of words. My father and my grandmother from different sides, oh, Shom, were not those. And I think that's what bonded them. My father was, was, was notorious that you couldn't get the, the words from him because he would just push himself away sometimes. And my grandmother also didn't speak English and still was also very careful about things that she said. So these two people who didn't speak, but had so much within them, this was the time that the brachas went past between them on Erev and Kippur only. So is it like a modern thing? Is it only like, you know, some, because I started doing it. So, and I did it to my children. Rivka, how about you? Did you get brachas every week? Every week, right? And you still... Your parents are still with us. No, they're not with us anymore. But you miss that, right? Getting that bracha. I know, what? and I know my, my, my daughter expects it. Uh, you know, every week she calls, no matter where she is. My son calls from her to show, no matter what. Is it so doing a little research on it, I, I discovered that there was such a custom. Rabbi Yaakov Emden, who you know put his sitter together and and and, and developed. Uh, yeah, we got some cups over here, and he developed the. Uh, uh, the halachos to go together with the sitter. Rabbi Yaakov says that this is a very fine minute. It's a very fine minute to, to do. Well, you're right. There was, it was Germany. Right? But, right, but he says this is something, and again, he was very well-rounded and well-read, so he knew about what was going on. Um, I'll read you a little bit of Rabbi Yaakov Emden's words on this. Uh, first of all, he says that minhagam shal Yisrael. Now, it could be he was one of the areas he was familiar with, but he was a very well-rounded person. He says the minhag of Yisrael is to give brachos on the night of Shabbos. And it's not only fathers to sons, it's also rabbonim to students and talmidim and people, rabbonim of cities, people would come and get brachos. And he says, of course, he says the best time is right when Shabbos begins or when you go home, 
because that's, he says that's when the Shefa occurs. That's when the Ashpah of Shabbos, that's when your Neshama sort of energized and sort of you can be a, a vehicle for giving the Brocha. And he says, why was it to children? So Riyakov Amdin says, She'ein b'kocham because they don't have their own actions yet. You know, even as great kids as they are, they're not really doing mitzvahs in a way that things are changing the world with. But you, who are an adult, who've been part of life, you can actually give the bracha to them. But there's another advantage, he says. True, you act as a sort of a intermediate, he says, between yourself and your child who is still growing and developing. And it's going to work on them in a great way, even though you know that you yourself are flawed. Because he says, Because they are so young, and, and therefore you, although you're the adult who's part of that world, and maybe you're flawed, but you can still be the, 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 the aspect that brings it, the, the, the tsinor that brings it to your child. Um, but there are adults who still get a feeling. Oh, but then he says, But it works for adults as well. And he says, It's nochon, it's a good thing. Then Ryakamendant gets into uh, how it should be done. He says it should be done with two hands on their head. He says, every time people give brachas, that's the way it should be done. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu, when he, when he sort of handed off to Yoshua, he put both hands on Yoshua. Now, Rabbi Yaakov then asks, what about... And then he actually brings a right from the Medrash. The Medrash says that when the angels, the Malachim, that accompany us to um, on Shabbos... The angels that accompany us on Shabbos, if they find out that we've done everything right, what do they do? They put their hands on, they put their hands on the head of the guy who made Shabbos well. It says Manichan Yedeim Al Rosho. So good job. You can feel the hands of the angels. So Yaakov Emden says, you see hands, both hands. Now, what about in our parsha? Yaakov only puts one hand on Menashe and one hand on Ephraim. He says, well, he, he needs somehow, Yaakov understood he's got to give them the bracha together. So therefore, he chooses one, but that is because you have two and one. I mean, what? Right. And then this is, of course, Kabbalistically why Yaakov switches hands right to left, left to right. But I'm actually, again, just speaking about practically, Yaakov is just saying, don't give me from Yaakov that that's the way. And then he quotes the Arizal, that the Arizal, interestingly, would kiss his mother's hand, and then that would give him the energy to give brachos to people. He'd kiss his mother's hand, and then by doing that, <laughs> right, like from the mother, the source of Bina, the source of Shechina, he was then able to then give brachos to the people around him. And Yaakov Edmund says he used to say this bracha, Yisima Chelohim. So that seems to be a pretty interesting pedigree, going to the Arizal and Yaakov Edmund, not just, you know, um, you know, pure German custom. But then he says that, you don't have to say that, you can say anything, he says. Kol Echad, he says, anyone is able to say um, whatever you want. You can add and change. It doesn't have to be exactly the words from Parshas Vayechi. Adkan Rabbi Yaakov Emden. However, then he, not Adkan. The, the, the coolest thing about what, what he does is he actually adds something. He says, and I'm telling you, two hands is fine. Not like the Chasei Das. There are people who don't know that they say, that's like spade, that you can't do it with one hand. Nothing wrong with it. 
So it sounds like he had already heard that people were saying, don't only do it with one hand. Okay, let's go around the table. One hand, two hands. By your parents. Parents did it with two hands? You do it two hands with your with, with your children. And you got one hand and the other. <laughs> so it's interesting. There was an Edus from the Vilna Gon, and it seems to be corroborated from a number of sources. The Vilna Gon, uh, at, a, at a wedding, they asked the Vilna Gon to give a brocha, and they saw the Vilna Gon <clears throat> um, gave a, a brocha to... Uh, to a big Talmachochem who ended up becoming a very great man and the Vilna Gon put one hand on his head and they asked him you know why did you only put one hand on, your, on his head so he says two hands is what Kahanim do he says in fact that's why it's called Nesias Kapayim what Kahanim do is using both hands and that's true they're not, they're not putting their hands on anybody but, they're, they're, but their hands are moving their hands are active and their hands are involved he says, that's birchas kohanim. And the, the Goyen says, we know there's an Aveira for a non-Kohen to give a brocha. Like a Kohen. Zor shenoise is kapov. A zor who, who, who is, um, uh, right? It's, it's, right? A zor who actually duchen, so to speak, that's what you think it means. Oiver ba'ase has done an Aveira. So the the Vilna Gaon understood. Green chickpea guys just waiting for a signature yeah, from you. Right, thank you, thank you, Yankee. So the Vilna Gaon says that it's not just when you're joining the Kohanim. In other words, any single time, right? So any single time that you're involved, any single time that you're involved in this type of uh, situation where you're giving brachos, even at a chuppah, don't act like a client. Because the truth is, the Kohen doesn't only have to give... The Kohen is giving brachas everywhere. True, we set up the Kohen to give brachas in davening. But really, a Kohen gives brachas all the time. right? Chazal say, do it during davening. But it doesn't have to be during davening. It can be any time during the day. So when you sort of emulate the Kohen, and you do it with the same hand movements, you are very close to violating a, a Naseh. Because only the, only the Kohanim do this. Which means, and there's two, another element here... Even if it's not the bracha, Yibracha Hashem v'yishmerecha. Because a Kohen can give any bracha. Right? Ko sevarachu, this is what you should say. But any sort of bracha given by a Kohen might also be considered like part of that mitzvah of Birchus Kohanim. Therefore, the Vilna Gaon said, you have to show that you're not a Kohen. And since what makes the Kohen's bracha a bracha is the raising of both hands, when you only do one hand, then you're clearly not emulating the kahanim. So that would seem to lend itself to the idea that you should only use one hand for the bracha. Now, now, there's no, as, as, as others have pointed out before me, chaseire das, you know, I'm saying it's, if it's the Vilna Gon, you're not going to call him somebody who is lack of das. In fact, Rabbi Yaakov Enden himself in the Machlekes between he and Rabbi Yenis Naivishitz, uh, Rabbi Naivishitz printed a letter from the Vilna Gon. And of course, he didn't say, you know, he had, he realized the Vilna Gon, even though he was younger than the other two, it was considered the great lion, the great genius. And therefore, it was clear the Vilna Gon was not a no one. Rabbi obviously didn't know about this Messiah. One of the, I'll just give you from, from one of the great Rebbes, um, the Osher of the Rebbe, uh, um, writes 
that there might be a difference here. The Vilna Gon story was the story of a wedding. In a wedding, who knows what's going on there? You know this is not the father. You know that the, the person giving the bracha is some rabbi. If he does it with two hands, he's sort of, is he a koyin? What's going on, right? <laughs> you, you understand. But when a father and a son, you realize it's nothing to do with, I'm trying to be a koyin. I'm trying to connect to you as my child. And that's the reason why um, it could be that it's all right. In other words, if you're giving a bracha on the street, someone says, give me a bracha, like I was a sandik recently for my grandson, Kalev Natan, Caleb Nathan. So by the Sephardim, they run over to you and say, give me a bracha, give me a bracha, sandik, do something, right? So then I would maybe have to be careful, like the Vilna Gon, to only use one hand if I'm going to put my hand on him or on his head. The other chesidosh of Messiah, and this ties into what we are talking about before, was that it might have been true by some Ashkenaz places, it might have been even true by the Sephardim, but there seems to have been a pushback against doing it. And maybe, like I wrote in the email, sometimes too much of a good thing dissipates. Um, to do it constantly makes it cheaper. To constantly get the bracha from mommy and daddy, to get the bracha from dad. What? Never got old. But that might have been the attitude because the Rimenov, the great Menachem Mendel from Rimenov said that he says it used to be, uh, it was like the most precious thing to get a brocha. He says, that they do it every Shabbos. Maybe even three times a Shabbos. He says, and I can prove it. We know from the story of Yaakov and Esau, right? The whole thing was to get a brocha. If Yaakov gave brachas all the time, <laughs> right? He had to wait till, according to, according to the Chazal, it happened on the night of Pesach. It happened in a special time, right? So, if, if, if the whole story of Yaakov and Esav shows you that brachas were very unique and very special, and the, and the Rimen never goes on to say, somewhat tongue in cheek, we know it happened when it happened on Pesach. That was the night of Pesach. That's why he says, "Get the Gedeizim." It was a remez to the to the Korbanos. And that night, that's when you get special brachas. And he has to be eating during the time. And because of that, Yaakov gets the brachas. In fact, we know that Yaakov leaves and then Esav comes in. So Rimen never says, probably, you know what was going on then? It was the end of the Seder. And then Yaakov was opening the door, so to speak, like we do, for Elio Anavi. And Yaakov slips out of the door. And then Esav, of course, comes in at that moment saying, hey, don't you have a bracha left for me? <laughs> and he then, the Brimenover imagines that Yaakov is hiding behind the door. <laughs> and that's when Esav is screaming, don't you have a bracha left for me? Right? And come on, eat something and give me a bracha. And Yaakov says, I can't do it. <laughs> Why can't he do it? You go back to the, if it's the night of the Seder, once you finish eating and venturing and open the door, Right? Not supposed to eat. <laughs> he ate the afikayman already, so to speak, and he, he can't give him a bracha. Anyway, so therefore, it's a cute little chap. He says, that's why we don't give brachas. In other words, it's special. It's special and unique. So this is really an interesting take, and it sounds like the chassidish way really influenced, if you say Chabad and other chassidists, to say, look, this special shefa, perhaps the more we do it, it might cheapen it. I'm with you, Rivka. I believe I, I I want that chibur every single Shabbos, and I think that's a very important thing. So this is just a, 
<laughs> I do it with one hand. I do it with one hand. I don't do it with two. Right? And then my daughter, usually when she's a little girl, she says like this. She did back to me. <laughs> That's what she wanted to do. The bracha should always go both ways. Okay, stay for the seum, all right? Stay for the seum. Okay. Right, and then my daughter, usually when she's a little girl, she says like this, she did back to me. <laughs> That's what she wanted to do. The bracha should always go both ways. Okay, stay for the seum, all right? Stay for the seum. Okay.